Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. Good to have you with us. Comedian Dave Chappelle was doing his show in San Francisco the other night in front of a packed house, of course, and Dave invited Elon Musk to join him on stage. So Musk steps out on the stage, and a good portion of the audience promptly booed him. Chappelle tried to get the audience to settle down, but to no avail. After more boos, Dave decided to wrap up his show and end the evening with a prayer. It didn't help much. The point of the story is the mystery, the mystery it contains. Why were the people in the audience booing Elon Musk, of all people? Chappelle jokingly said it might be that some of the people Musk had fired recently were in the audience. Maybe that is it. Who knows? Maybe, too, those folks booing just can't stand the truth. I hear that there are more than a few left-wingers in San Francisco, so maybe the audience was, well, riddled with lefties. But the truth of the matter is, what Elon Musk is bringing these days is truth. And right now, he's the most energetic champion of truth and freedom of speech in the country. And he's rooting out the truth that Twitter, for far too long a cesspool of left-wing suppression and political censorship, working full-time for the Marxist Dems, the Deep State, and of course, the Biden administration. And maybe, just maybe, the left, the progressives, the radical Dems, the Marxists, just can't handle the truth, which is that Twitter censored conservatives, shadow banned, suspended, and canceled conservative voices and patriots. They even banned a sitting president, remember? Thanks to Elon Musk, we know Twitter's top executives worked with the FBI to shut down the Hunter Biden laptop story, and Twitter banned President Trump. What we still don't know is whether Twitter also shadow banned and cut the reach of his account during the campaign. And how much the DOJ, FBI, and others influenced Twitter decision-making during the election? Was the Biden campaign and the Democrat National Committee directly involved? The result is we have a president in office whose path to the Oval Office raises a lot of questions, and the answers to which may mean that President Trump was right all along, that the election was rigged. But perhaps it wasn't, and if it wasn't, it wasn't because the Marxist Dems weren't trying. The result has been economic and market dislocation, a lot of pain for middle class and working America, a war that President Biden should have prevented, a withdrawal of our forces from Afghanistan that cost lives and tens of billions of dollars in equipment and weaponry. And President Biden chose to bargain for the freedom of a WNBA player held in Putin's Russia for almost 10 months, leaving behind a former Marine who's been in prison for four years. Our guest today has worked on hostage negotiations and his distinguished career in government. Our guest is Cash Patel, Center for Renewing America. Cash is a former official in counterterrorism working for the Justice Department 
a top Defense Department official, worked for President Trump's National Security Council, and he was Congressman Devin Nunes, chief of staff, when Devin Nunes was the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Cash, great to have you back with us. I'd like to get your thoughts first on Biden's release of arms dealer Victor Boot for our hostage. Hey, Lou, it's great to be with you, and thanks for taking the time to talk about this. This is a topic that's near and dear to me. I led counterterrorism for President Trump, and I led, which meant I led a lot of his hostage rescue operations and policymaking decisions. And doing hostage rescue work is the most gut-wrenching work uh, I've ever done in my career in government, because you realize, other than burying fallen military service members, this is the only thing that's, uh, that comes close, because you realize there's families involved, their loved ones are gone, and the only people that can get them back is the American government. And Donald Trump did something substantially different than Joe Biden. He made sure he went out on the international stage and created space for diplomatic negotiations to occur by being strong against Xi Jinping, against Vladimir Putin and company. And Donald Trump brought home 54 hostages and detainees around the world. That's more than every president before him combined. And look, I say this first, too, about Brittany Griner. Uh, Whatever your thoughts are about her, that another American is home is always a good thing. But then you have to look at the backside of it. Did it actually jeopardize our status on the global stage? And it did. We gave hope a a we gave up a terrorist. That's right. A terrorist was given away by Joe Biden, a man who has supplied millions of arms to America's enemies and will do so again when he's back next to Putin and responsible for deaths and casualties of American and American service members. He is now back in Russia, and we did not even get the former Marine that was there. Look, I was part of the Trump administration when we tried to get Paul Whelan back, and we denied. And President Trump, rightfully so, said, we are not giving up Victor Booth. That is too dangerous of a human being. We want Paul Whelan, our former Marine, back. By the way, there's another American in custody there, too. We've been trying to get back. But um, this is the differentiation between the two. And what the the greatest fallout, Lou, from this is that there's over a dozen other American hostages abroad in places like Afghanistan and and Iran and China and, um, and Russia. And now the world leaders of these countries know they never have to give these Americans up. And what's worse is things like al-Qaeda, which are on the rise in Afghanistan, now know that Americans are of value to this administration, and they will literally give away the farm to get them back. And that weakens American posture overseas, it weakens American national security, and it targets Americans. So while the mainstream media is lauding President uh, President Biden's supposed diplomatic skills, I just recall the facts of how this situation occurred and how a strong commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, actually executed that mission and didn't care about the political headlines. So we've got a long way to go um, uh, on the hostage stuff, but uh, we, we definitely suffered a huge loss here. Uh, Victor Bout, the uh, merchant of death, as he's styled in the media at least, uh, now free to work for uh, energetically, Vladimir Putin, uh, and it, it's it, and we hear from our Pentagon the day after the trade, the day after the trade, they express their great concern about releasing Victor Bout. Uh, you you understand the the machinations of the Pentagon and the relationship to the White House and to the rest of the world, uh, given your experience there at the, at the in the 
as a top official. How could it be that the Pentagon would be so gutless as to make these remarks after the trade is done? It shows you that even the cowards, the political uh, cowards running the Pentagon, and I'm talking about Chairman Mark Milley and Secretary Lloyd Austin, don't even have the gumption to stand by President Biden during this decision. They know it was a disaster. And let me, let me, let me circle back one thing. There is no way this hostage trade happened without the notification and decree of the United States DOD. As the former chief of staff, as the former guy of DOD, who is in the Oval Office negotiating top-line hostage negotiation matters, running counterterrorism and hostage rescue operations, the Pentagon is always at the table. So they knew, and what they're doing now is distancing themselves from Joe Biden and saying, this was such a monumentally bad decision that we, the Pentagon, have to come up with some charade, some farce to distance ourselves from it. But they are equally as responsible because they were unable, Austin and Miller, Millie, were unable to stop this horrendous trade, horrific trade from going down. And even these government gangsters at the Pentagon knows how much we have just weakened American national security. And that's the thing most people aren't talking about. Everybody wants to celebrate because she's some famous star. Um, Who is out there celebrating the people that were left behind, the Paul Whelans of the world and so many others? And that's what we need to be focusing on. But we just made it infinitely more hard to ever get another American hostage back during this administration. And the world now knows it. Oh, let me ask you. With your experience, Paul Whelan, uh, former Marine, uh, accused of spying, 20, I, I believe he's got a 20-year sentence. Uh, what is his fate in all likelihood? You know, I hate to say this, but having been the hostage guy for a while um, and running the positions I did, I don't see this administration ever getting Paul Whelan out. It's going to take an entirely new administration. Uh, because Vladimir Putin got his number one guy, his number one friend, his number one arms dealer, who is in American prison custody, um, serving a 25-year sentence, uh, out. So there, and he got Brittany Griner, which was a throwaway for him. He was going to basically release her in a year's time anyway, um, because he knows how to do the propaganda machine better than most. And he, of course, kept Paul Whelan, the U.S. Marine. There is nothing this administration can give or turn over or amount of money they can print to give to Russia to get Paul Whelan back. And I hate to say this because, look, when you run hostage negotiation matters like I did, you get infinitely close with the families. And the hardest thing I've ever done, um, other than lay our soldiers to rest, is go home and tell a mom that I'm, I, we did not succeed in bringing their son or daughter home, um, that they are still being held captive um, by some terrorist organization or some uh dictator dictatorship regime in iran or russia or syria and um it's brutal it's brutal to paul whelan's family it's brutal to the other american family that's in that's in russia in in detention and the the tragic reality is their their chances of getting out just went to zero and the effect as of at least now is that biden has left yet another marine behind uh, Putin, by mm-hmm. the way, says, as you know, he will do business with the U.S. again. Uh, is that a is that a come on, or is that uh, do you think in any way uh, an opening that could be meaningful? I, I don't know what business he's talking about doing, 
um, we have now given Russia all the business they need by allowing them to complete the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. They don't care anymore about energy and making money off of it. They are now selling arms to the Chinese, to the Afghanistan, to the Afghanis, to the Middle Eastern partners who now, by the way, oh, Xi Jinping and MBS in Saudi Arabia are all, are all sipping around drinking tea and making deals. And you know who's not there? The United States of America. And you know who's paying through the nose for gasoline? The United States of America. So I think Vladimir Putin is just poking us in the face after uh, duping Joe Biden into this horrific uh, hostage negotiation swap. And now he's just flexing his muscle on the world stage to say, oh, man, maybe I'll do business with you if and when I ever feel like it is basically the response. What I actually think he means is he might do business again with America when there's a new commander in chief. And uh, we, I, I, I don't know if that if that'll happen, uh, to be honest, because what we're looking at right now is a Republican Party that is decimated. Uh, Mitch mm-hmm. McConnell uh, is a is a is a toxic uh, rhino force uh, in leadership. Uh, he should not be in that job. Kevin McCarthy, uh, by the way, he he had a hostage situation. Uh, and decided that uh, after talking with Biden, he could uh, release the U.S. military from their mandates on vaccinations and uh, trying to look all the hero uh, in, mm-hmm. doing that, in winning that. Uh, I want to talk to you about the politics on Capitol Hill, about which you know as much mm-hmm. as anyone. Uh, we are looking at uh, a, what would it be, uh, a, a situation at, at the very least that is deteriorating daily. Uh, the Kevin McCarthy wants to be speaker. He's a rhino. He's anti-Trump no matter what he says, no matter what he does. Uh, and Capitol Hill is just brimming with anti-Trump, anti-MAGA, anti-America first uh, folks. Your thoughts about the the conflict for the leadership of the Republican Party first on Cap, well, I'll put it all together, on Capitol Hill and the Republican National Committee. Wow, that's a, that's a lot to unpack. Uh, so, yeah, let's start with Capitol Hill. Look, the biggest job that our Republican majority in Congress has after retiring Nancy Pelosi is giving the gavels to men and women who will lead these committees, who will perform the jobs of constitutional oversight, because we know we don't have an act, we don't have a DOJ and FBI that is serving this country anymore based on fact and law. I can't stress that enough. As a guy who ran the Russiagate investigation for Chairman Nunes, we were the only ones putting out accountability when the FBI was corrupted by the Democratic National Party and the Hillary campaign and lied to a federal court just to unlawfully surveil a political opponent. We have so many investigations. Hunter Biden. Afghanistan, this hostage trade negotiation, um, all the money uh, deals that Joe Biden has made, not to mention the pay for play in China. No one is going to do anything. And we are on the verge of lighting this majority on fire and basically kicking ourselves in the face and snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory because we can't get it together on Capitol Hill. That's what's at stake. And whatever your thoughts are on Kevin McCarthy, if they're there not pleasant. Republican they're, they're not, I will tell you this. They're not, no, they're I know. Not I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but what I'm trying to say is if we don't get a Republican leader in there who's going to give our chairmen and women in the House side these gavels and the authority to subpoena people and documents, then we have just lost the last opportunity we have 
to stop the Joe Biden and the radical left agenda. That's what's at stake at the United States Capitol. Let me ask you this then, Cash. Do you really believe McCarthy will follow through on any of his so-called whispered promises about he will authorize these committees? Uh, Do you believe him? I haven't seen it yet. He said he's going to kick off Schiff. She's going to kick off Schiff and Swalwell. I said, great, that's a start. And he said he's going to make sure that the vaccine mandate at DOD is lifted and rescinded in full. Great. I'll believe it when I see it. He should be laying out right now. Instead of throwing around for votes, what he should be doing is going to the podium and saying, when the Judiciary Committee's chairman is, is Jim Jordan, he has unilateral subpoena authority, and he can subpoena every and any member of Congress and any private citizen and any government gangster, and this House majority will back him to the hill. He has not said that. He has not given these committees authorization to get the Hunter Biden documentation, to get the corruption at the DOJ, to get the political targeting, to get why Chris Ray and Merrick Garland are allowed to lie to Congress and falsely claim statistics about Donald Trump supporters just to get a political narrative out there. He should be doing all of these things, and I'm hearing none of them. And that concerns me, and that's why I have um, hesitation as to whether we'll achieve anything yeah. come January right. 1st. Right now, the Democrats are loving it. When's the last time a, uh, a House investigation led to uh, accountability for anyone? And let's go back, let's say, uh, to the presidency of Barack Obama. Uh, <laughs> With Republican House well, leadership. I mean, I'm serious. That's never been any yeah. accountability that resulted from a House Republican investigation in recent history. And I, 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 mean, Lou, to, I, I mean, it's just the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and I in large part generally agree with you. I'll disagree with you slightly and I'll be selfish. I okay. will say Devin and I's investigation on Russiagate that we ran in the Republican majority in Congress led to the firing of 17 people and we exposed the largest criminal conspiracy the FBI has ever undertaken. Now, it wasn't far enough, I agree. And Paul Ryan stifled us at every step of the way. I agree with that as well. We don't have the Republican leadership with WASTA to carry it through. But I I use that as an example as a glimpse of what can happen if we actually get our acts together. But you're right, Lou. It doesn't look like we're going to and it looks like we're gonna swing and miss yet again. Yeah, it it is, and I, I I know the spirit in which you say that, but here's the reality: the Republicans are adrift. They are soulless, uh, and I'm, I'm I know I'm offending a lot of people when I say this, but they're soulless, uh, they're unprincipled, uh, and they're uh, they're indolent. Uh, I I don't know how else to char- characterize the Republican Party right now. They have some wonderful people within their conference. They have great people who could be leading these committees and uh, uh, sensibly will be, including James Colmer, the Mm -hmm. Oversight Committee, Jim Mm -hmm. Jordan at Judiciary. But the reality is there isn't a statement from even they uh, that is Mm -hmm. about the strategy that they will employ, the deadlines that they will insist upon, the accountability that will be first of all between the committee and the American people. They should be saying right now, we're, we're not going to do Benghazi's. We're not going to do any of that nonsense. We're going to have a 90-day window. We're going to drive this forward. There will either be people who testify willingly, forthrightly, or subpoenaed, and do or do not respond. And we are going mm-hmm. to move forward. And 
and we and and they have an answer for well what happens when people are guilty and you make a criminal referral to a department of justice that is rancid with corruption so tell us what the strategy is and how you're going to bring accountability because the traditional and conventional constitutional process does not work because of the divided power in our government. You're absolutely right. And I only have one answer for you. And it's the answer I outlined in my book. It's called, it's called taking the money. And whatever Republican ends up with the gavel, they need to exact right now one thing, unilateral authority, to not have to go to the Speaker of the House, whoever it is, for permission to act. And I'll give you a great example. We did it during Russiagate, even though Paul Ryan wouldn't let us do it. It's called fencing the money. And you take the taxpayer dollars that fund these bloated bureaucracies, and you subpoena them for every document and every witness. And if they withhold for even one day, you take a million dollars a day from them, and they will start cooperating. And then you will see accountability, at least in the American public sector, in terms of producing documents and witnesses and testimony so that we, the American people, can have some sort of, again, it's not the ultimate accountability because we don't have the DOJ and FBI, but it's up to us to prosecute these people in the court of public opinion, and that's how we do it. So we have to be willing to take their money, our money, that they are lighting on fire. And it's the only thing these agencies respond to, the only thing these directors, these bureaucrats, these secretaries respond to is when their budget is stifled and suffocated. And there are a couple of Republican leaders who I know are willing to do that, but they must exact that power right now in these trade negotiations with whatever's going on, with whatever speaker jockeying, jostling is going on. That must be demanded and received by the few Republicans in leadership who are willing to exact that, 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 that price. I, I, I want to say to, to the audience right now that we all, every one of us in this country, owe a debt of gratitude to Cash, to Devin Nunes, uh, and, uh, and, this, and their staffs uh, primarily moving forward and getting done what they could. Uh, they actually had Russiagate figured out from almost Jump Street. Is that a fair statement? Uh, Cash, I mean, you had yeah, yeah. you guys had it nailed to to begin with, and were forestalled by every kind of bureaucratic and political maneuver uh, imaginable within your own party, uh, and people have no idea uh, the degree to which Paul Ryan uh, is the evil doer of evil doers uh, in what transpired uh, in, in that uh, in those first two years uh, after President Trump was elected. Is that a, a statement you would quibble with? No, I wouldn't quibble with it at all. I would just add the following about Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan didn't want us to send out subpoenas. We had to force them. Paul Ryan didn't want us to take the money from DOJ when they refused to comply with the lawfully mandated congressional subpoena. And here's the biggest crime from Paul Ryan. There's so many, but I'm, I'm a little biased. Paul Ryan received a copy of the Steele dossier six months before anyone else on planet Earth ever got it. And he never told a soul while the entire Russiagate investigation was going on. For the entire two years that I ran it with Devin Nunes, he kept that fact from us. It is like having the gun from a bank robbery at the judge's chambers and the judge says, oh, I didn't, uh, I, yeah, I got it, but I didn't want to tell you guys about it. That's literally the Paul Ryan type of Republican leadership we were dealing with. This is the guy who's running around going on Fox News telling everybody not to have pro-Trump people on and not to follow an America first agenda. That's the type of Republicans we have to defeat, Lou. 
And uh, there's no better man than you to lead the charge. In fact, I think I'm going to go out and say we should have Lou Dobbs for Speaker of the House. That would get some stuff done. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that I have got a, a, a nature uh, that is not <laughs> disposed to success in politics. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I and, and and I'm talking about flaws as well as uh, presumed strength, uh, more flaws than strength, actually. <laughs> but I, I, I love the thought. Once again, uh, for the audience, repeat what you said. The most, the greatest crime of Paul Ryan. I love the way you said it. It is sure the greatest crime. Remember, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, in charge of every Republican committee, including ours the intel, which was running the Russiagate investigation, hires me and Devin, puts Devin in charge and gives us the mandate to figure out what happened. What happened at the FBI and DOJ? What happened at the FISA court? And the sealed dossier, as everyone now knows, was critical and central to the Russiagate hoax, the lies bought and paid for by the DNC. This entire dossier was given to Paul Ryan six months before the Russiagate investigation ever started in Congress. That means somebody walked it over to him handed it to him, he read it, and he never told anyone in Congress, not me, not Devin, not another Republican member that I am aware of. And he kept that fact, and it's only until we caught him after the investigation was over were we able to publicize it then, but nobody cared there. I want to know, Paul Ryan, who'd you, who'd you get it from? Why did you withhold a key piece of information on Russiagate? Were you trying to take down Donald Trump? Of course he was. He's been trying to do that since day one, and he still is. Paul Ryan was the biggest gutless Speaker of the House we have ever had, and he is as much of a government gangster as Chris Ray, as Bill Barr, as Merrick Garland, as Gina Haspel, and as Secretary Esper, and all the rest of them, because all they thought they wanted to do and could do was supersede a duly elected president, Donald Trump. And to me, that's the most unconstitutional thing, and that's what makes Paul Ryan one of the biggest criminal villains of United States modern history. I just wanted to hear that again. I know that our audience appreciates it because <laughs> because you have so succinctly and powerfully put it in straightforward uh, language. And I have to say, the fact that that Kevin McCarthy uh, is the handpicked choice of Paul Ryan uh, is just mm-hmm. one one, but a considerable one uh, of the reasons that uh, I I could not I could not stomach him as speaker. Uh, the party deserves mm-hmm. leaders who are America first, uh, make America great again, uh, and, and who who will uh, bleed for this country. Uh, that is not Kevin McCarthy. It is not, unfortunately, <laughs> too many of the conference. Uh, I, I want to yeah. turn to now, if, if I may, Donald Trump, uh, as he was leaving yeah. office. Should he have released all of the classified documents that would have, uh, should he do, have done a, an Elon Musk? I'll put it that way. Elon <laughs> Musk, I like that. I haven't heard it quite so put that way. Uh, you know, Lou, with me, uh, I'm sure you're aware of dealing with the, you know, the, the uh, politicized DOJ. There's limited comments I can give on this right now, unless I want a bigger target on my back. But uh, well, speaking, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, from, but speaking from a little experience with Donald Trump, he was the most transparent president. He wanted all these documents to be classified. And I've personally said, um, uh, excuse me, I've publicly said previously, and that's the statement I'll stand on, that Donald Trump did execute declassification over large sets of documents. And it was the people 
in uh, in government that got in his way and thought they could um, somehow rescind that order. Now, how that plays out is yet to be determined, um, but I think that um, the American public would benefit greatly from a, from monster declassifications. All this stuff, as you have seen during RussiaGate and so many other matters, when Adam Schiff runs around and saying it's classified, I can't tell you. That's because we're, we're covering up government corruption. We're covering up our own corruption. And we don't want the world to know, so we're going to say it's classified. And you, America, can't handle the uh, magnitude of this state secret. So we're going to keep it because you elected us to bury this thing at the bottom of the ocean so our corruption is never discovered. And that's what ticks me off the most, whether it's Russiagate or China COVID origins or anything related to freaking Fauci or Afghanistan withdrawal or what have you. I have always been in favor of getting these documents out. And there is a way to get 99% of these documents out with minimal redactions and keeping American national security interest in, in, in check. And of course you have the Rod Rosenstein's of the world and Chris Ray screaming at the top of the lungs, oh my God, when we release Christopher Steele's information lawfully, they said you are gonna kill our sources, you are gonna jeopardize relationships. No, the only thing that happened was we showed the corruption at the FBI under Comey. We, no sources died, no relationships were ruined. So when it comes to D-Class, you know, I'm like Devin Nunes on this one. We should get it all out there. There's ways to do it if you wanted it, if you wanted it to happen. You just, they just don't because there's so much more corruption they're covering up. And again, circling back to Republican leadership in the next house, they've got an opportunity to get those documents and put them out to the world. Will they do it? I don't know, Lou. It remains to be seen. It's not looking good. I want to go to, speaking of Elon Musk, the Twitter issue. But first, I want to ask you something that possibly could salve our hearts uh, and uh, uh, deep concerns right now about this incoming Congress. Have any of the chairman, respective chairman, of the major committees and oversight committees, uh, including Intel, uh, have, have any of them called up Cash Patel and said, can we talk and get some counsel, some advice uh, and perspective from you? Because, can you answer that? I've offered it. I, I've offered it, Lou. Um, I've offered it. And, um, what, you know, one one individual has that I used to work with from Russiagate on a very specific Intel issue. Um, but other than that, uh, a very narrow issue. Other than that, no. And I've offered it publicly. Hey, you want to know how to run a congressional investigation? Call me. I know you guys. I worked with all you guys. I briefed with all you guys. I worked for you guys. I worked for everyone when it came to Russiagate, literally. And most of those guys are still there. And I'm happy to jump back in and say, this is how you run an investigation. These are where the subpoenas go. These are where the documents are. This is how you safeguard um, classification matters. This is how you properly issue public documents to inform the American public. And this is how you finally do your constitutional duty of oversight and hold government gangsters accountable while giving the American public the information we sent you to Washington to get because you work for us and not the other way around. But you're right, Lou. I don't imagine those phone calls will be coming anytime soon. <laughs> I was afraid that was the answer. Uh, I sensed it was the answer. Uh, do you have enough time for us to take up uh, Twitter and all that is happening there with Elon Musk? Uh, you're being very generous with yeah. your time. Do you? No, of course. If we, I, of course. I, I, I would. I certainly appreciate that because this is critically important and and critically related uh, to all that is happening in this country. When you we talk about cover-ups and obfuscation. Uh, and this very dangerous deep state 
that has a grip over so much, uh, but only the important parts of our federal government. Uh, let me turn to, suddenly we have Elon Musk, uh, one of, if not the wealthiest men in all the world, who is risking so much, and I understand that he put a great deal at risk to begin with to even buy Twitter. But right now, mm -hmm. he's putting so much at risk. When he is saying things like uh, people shouldn't be doing business with uh, Corey Perkins, they shouldn't be, you know, mm -hmm. I, put that in some context with us because that seems like an immense risk for him to be taking. Yeah, look, see, this, is, this one's another one that's sort of near and dear to me. And I've said it from the beginning, <laughs> all roads lead to Rush, Russiagate. All roads lead to Russiagate, especially when it comes to Twitter. Why? Because I called out James Baker for still being at Twitter and being the gatekeeper referee for screening the documents that Elon Musk said he wanted out. And what happened? Two days later, he was fired. That's not a coincidence. Then I put Perkins Cooley on blast, and I said, how dare the law firm that ran the biggest criminal conspiracy with the FBI and the DNC be your lawyers on your payroll? at Twitter when you say you want a censorship-free platform, free of corruption. <clears throat> and Elon came out on last night on Twitter, and I'm glad this is the first person I'm talking to about it, actually responded. I'm not on Twitter. I'm only on Truth Social, but people have been putting my information that I put on Truth Social over to Elon directly, and he's responding to it. And he said, Perkins Cooey is an employee. And I said, well, here's the receipt. And I put one court filing up from just two days ago that said Perkins Cooey was counsel of record for Twitter. And right. I've got more. I've got it all laid out tonight on Cash's Corner um, at 8 p.m. tonight on Epoch Times if anyone wants to get bored with mind-numbing details. But the heart of the matter is this. I do agree with you, Lou, that Elon is trying to put out a good foot and trying to get information out there and become a, a free speech platform. The problem is he's not educated on Russiagate. The problem is he's not educated on the government gangsters and the Perkins Coies of the world and the James Bakers. I mean, just think of it, Lou. You have the guy. James Baker, who was the number one lawyer at the FBI for James Comey, who was the FISA guru at the DOJ. And I know that from my time at DOJ as a terrorism prosecutor. This guy wrote the FISA application that was the biggest farce in U.S. history based on fraudulent information. This guy, James Baker, allowed it to be walked into a federal court, lied to a federal judge just to unlawfully um, surveil a presidential candidate, all the while suppressing evidence of innocence that was known to his FBI. This is the architect, James Baker, who ended up at Twitter, being the number two lawyer over there, calling, getting millions of dollars. Do you think he wasn't talking to his pals at Perkins Coie? Remember Michael Sussman, the lawyer at Perkins Coie, who helped architect this thing from the outside? He met with James Baker and handed him the Alpha Bank charade when James Baker was, guess what, the FBI general counsel. You think those guys don't talk? And why do you think I'm so ticked off when I find out that Perkins Coie is still on the payroll for Twitter? And that's what I'm trying to tell. It's a challenge to Elon. I'm not knocking him. I'm telling him, if you really want to do this, then give me a call. If you really want to do this, fire everybody that's there. If you really want to do this, stop being misled by people in your circle with false information. You are only shooting yourself in the foot, and you are not setting out to achieve your goal of creating a censorship-free platform. We, of course, know that conservatives were uh, black labeled and censored and, and gaslighted on Twitter. We know that. Now we know that it's, Jack Dorsey and Vijay Agata lied under oath to Congress. Is someone going to prosecute them? These are the types of things that we need in the sphere. He made a one yard rush by firing James Baker. I told him he's got 99 more to go. And um, 
you know, we could go on and on about Russiagate and whatever, but um, that's where it is with Twitter right now. I, you know, I joke with you about the following, Lou, but um, I even wrote a Russiagate book for kids because I wanted to make sure that Adam Schiff and Fang Fang Swalwell could understand the devastation that Russiagate has caused. And I thought it appropriate to teach our kids. So that's at plotagainsttheking.com. And we got a Christmas package with two books signed by me and mugs and everything. Um, and, and, I, and I actually say the following with all sincerity. Because so many Americans were lied to by Adam Schiff and the fake news media for years, they don't know Russiagate. They don't know the corrupt actors. They don't know the James Bakers, the Perkins Coie, the Steele dossiers of the world. And that's why I think it's critically important for Elon and everyone else to get educated on Russiagate if they want Twitter to actually become a free speech platform. And I did my part in plotagainsttheking.com. And uh, hopefully your viewers go out there and get it for the holidays and put it in their stockings. I think grandparents and parents and kids are going to love it. Donald Trump made it the number one book in the country already. So we're having a good time with it, but it all goes back to Elon Musk, Twitter, Russiagate. You know, sometimes I joke about uh, making sure everyone knows about Russiagate. I took it seriously, though, while writing Plot Against the King. And plotagainsttheking.com, you can get the Russiagate book for kids and young adults. We made it super fun. And the reason I talk about Plot Against the King in our Christmas package right now, where you get two books signed by me, both the first one and the second one, and, and a Christmas mug that says Communist Tears um, at a discount today at plotagainsttheking.com, is because what Elon's trying to do, I think, dovetails directly with Russiagate. And unless you understand Russiagate, and because half the world was lied to by Adam Schiff and company for years with the mainstream media, they don't know what happened during Russiagate. And that's why Elon's making these mistakes at Twitter right now by only coming on too late to learn about James Baker and not understanding Perkins Coie, their relationship. So I've always said all roads lead to Russiagate. I've done my part to try to educate everybody with the plot against the king at theplotagainsttheking.com, and Donald Trump helped make that a number one bestseller. But I'm telling your audience, go out there and get the books. Educate your kids, your parents, your grandparents during the holiday season, and help Elon on this mission because he has the biggest microphone in the world right now to course correct history. And we rarely get that opportunity. I don't think Congress is going to be the ones delivering the correct message, but Lou Dobbs and his audience certainly are the right people to do it. Cash, you are terrific, and uh, your books are terrific, and I recommend all of them to our audience, and we're going to uh, be reminding you about that as Christmas approaches uh, and, uh, and Hanukkah. Uh, we're going to... Uh, you know, we're we're deeply in your debt for so many reasons, Cash. I, I just want to say thanks and uh, and turn to you for your concluding thoughts here. Uh, I, I want to say first, though, Elon Musk deserves great credit for having gotten mm -hmm. this far and certainly this quickly. He's moved mm -hmm. faster than any human being that I have watched with a major property, $44 billion worth of property. The, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I think he has the potential to turn this into uh, another amazing success uh, like t uh, Tesla, uh, like uh, I think SpaceX. I still marvel that we, that he can land <laughs> rockets mm -hmm. on their tail. Uh, yeah. it's, it, this is a man that is, is unique, and I think he is, talk about learning, he's a adroit, adept, and uh, a, a, an outright genius on so many levels. I think he's the right man in the right place at this right moment in our history, too. Uh, if God willing, uh, we can uh, straighten this country out. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on just one other aspect here before I turn it over to you for the last word. Uh, 
And I want to get, I'm focused, as you know, right now in this conference because there are big promises uh, being alluded to here. Uh, I, how can we make certain that this Congress talks to Cash Patel, that these leaders understand that we're not going to play any uh, civil war games in the Republican Party? Uh, if you're not a Republican, uh, if you are not a patriot, you have no business being in the Republican Party, uh, and we don't want to hear nonsense. We want to see results, and we want them quickly. How can we get that message to the Republican, uh, the Republican Party? I think um, the only way that we know how to do that is by getting on shows like yours and making sure people hear us over and over again to tell everyone else that they can find. That's the only, it's the old school way of doing something. It's like Devin Nunes said during Russiagate. Cash, when you've told someone something that you found out a million times, and then you told them a million more times, you've only just begun to set it. And yeah. I think that couldn't be more true when it came to this. And that's why we do this, Lou. That's why you have such an outstanding, massive audience uh, that listens to your every word. And that's how we teach them that in order to change leadership, and our founding fathers didn't want change overnight. They wanted it, they, they meant for it to come over time. Well, now it's come to a head, and we have an opportunity, just like Elon's taking, we have an opportunity at Congress to run these oversight investigations. They know where to find us. We have to encourage more people to call their representative and say, these are the investigations, the Fauci investigation, the border investigation, the DOJ FBI corruption investigation, and so many more. Those are the investigations we want you focused on. And if you don't do it, you want to take the money from the agencies and departments that say they work for us. That's our taxpayer dollars take that money. And that dovetails directly into, you know, the closing remarks with uh, which I'll leave you with is, is Elon. I agree with you. People have said, oh my God, Cash, your truth's on Truth Social. Why are you, why are you going after Elon? I'm not going after Elon. I'm challenging him. I agree with you, Lou. He's doing something in a time in history that could be epically historic and monumental. But if he's continued to be led astray, by whoever is telling him that James Baker is okay to be there, by whoever's telling them Perkins Cooley is not there, by whoever's telling him that Russiagate has no part to play in the Twitter saga in the days to come. He's being misinformed, and he's going to shoot himself in the foot. And that's why I challenge him, and I'll continue to challenge him on my show, on your show, um, as often as I can. All roads lead to Russiagate, and unless Elon Musk has a mastery of it, then he will not succeed in what he wants to do at Twitter, which is ridden of its corruption, just like our government, and allow a censorship-free speech platform that no longer has government agencies like the FBI coming in and telling the largest media company in the world that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation. That's the best example I can leave it with your audience, Lou. So I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. It's always good to be with you and the missus, and um, I hope you guys get some much-earned downtime. Cash Patel, Great American, his new book is Government Gangsters, The Deep State, The Truth, and The Battle for Our Democracy. And Cash has written two terrific books for kids, The Plot Against the King and The Plot Against the King, book two. We recommend them all to you highly. Our guest tomorrow is Dr. Robert Malone. We'll be talking about the COVID virus scare in America. Who is trying to scare whom? Should we be getting vaccinated? How about our kids? And why is there a full-blown government campaign to get boosters every two months? Does all of this make sense? Does any of it? Please join us tomorrow. Till then, thank you for being with us. God bless you, and may God bless America.